0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of Believe Podcasts and the Buzz Radio Network.
2: The former Arkansas Razorback baseball player, Tyler Spoon,
3: we have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable, also a two-time Dan Levitard Show SUI winner, and the <laughs> former head athlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain.
4: D1Baseball.com editor Aaron Fitz,
2: And current Razorback freshman star Debo Davis. Mr. Ryan McGee. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate, a former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. Razorback great and current SEC Network basketball analyst, Pat the Shooter Bradley.
1: Here are your hosts, Kyle Sutherland, Kevin Bohannon, and Porter Hayes.
2: What's up everybody? Welcome into episode 203 of the one and only Hog Talk Podcast live from the Heinemann Services Studios. I'm your host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside Porter Hayes and the coach Kevin Bohannon. We thank you once again for joining us wherever you're listening. Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or 106. 106.7 The Buzz2. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you have not already. Also take a couple of seconds to leave us a written review and a five star rating. The show is brought to you as always by our friends at bet online They've got you covered for all the news scores and odds. plus the best part about it it is free to sign up so head to the website betonline.ag on your desktop or use your mobile device. And sign up today and receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts got another great show for you. Once we uh, have our opening remarks, uh, myself, Porter, and Kevin are going to talk about our newest venture that we have going on with the Hog Talk and Razorback. J- Ra- former Razorback wide receiver JJ Metters is going to join us. He's got some great stuff about the NIL and plenty more. Then in the final segment, Kevin talks with some baseball with Brian Sikowski of Perfect. Game game. He's going to tell us where some of the Razorbacks go in the upcoming MLB draft and just have some baseball talk. We're going to continue that on into this summer. And for those of you that have been following for quite some time, uh, you know, at least if you've been following in the last week or so, that as of July fourth, July 1st, we have partnered with the Buzz Radio Network and our show will be run live each Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Buzz 2 106.7, as I mentioned in the opening there. It was the first time that I've ever done that, so, of course, I scrolled uh, Screwed it up. It is 106.7. I know I stuttered through that at the beginning there. And uh so we could be found there each week at 730. So be sure you catch that if you do not catch it on any of the forums that we're on. And we just basically want to take a second to introduce ourselves for those that may not know us and also just kind of talk about what we're about. So I'll start with myself again. I'm Kyle Sutherland and I've been with the Hog Talk for about uh, I guess a little over a year and a half now, or around that point. And uh, man, you know, we we just like to uh interact with you guys. That's the main thing. That's why we're here to uh hear get you guys to tell us what you think is on your mind a lot of times that we'll we'll have our shows sometimes where we actually read comments off of our Facebook or Twitter page. So this is obviously a show for the fans and by the fans, but We like to differentiate ourselves from everybody else in that we definitely put a high emphasis on women's sports, which that's. I'll let Porter talk a little bit more about that. That's uh, one of his major fortes that he does for us. And then Kevin brings a lot of baseball analysis that you really don't get from a lot of other people around this state. I'm not just talking about Razorback baseball, but high school recruiting and just uh, tournaments. He's actually, I know that as we're recording this, he's on his way to a baseball tournament right now. And so I'll tell you what, Porter, I'll go ahead and start with you and talk about some of the things you do with the women's game. And uh, the floor is all yours for whatever you want to say, at least within uh, FCC regulations.
3: Yeah, uh first of all, man, I just want to thank Justin, Cabo, everybody who helped us get a part of the buzz and in this new venture. I mean, we're always looking to grow. Matter of fact, two days from now will be my two-year anniversary with the Hog Talk. So, I mean, it's it's been quite a run. It's been amazing to see the growth of the women's sport, the part that I bring to the show and just how many people have followed the women's sports. I mean, of course, with how it's the softball team, gymnastics, the women's basketball team, the success, the track and field. It's really helped us and grow the women's sports and the followers and the fans. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see it with the UConn game, you know, Bogle park selling out everybody at the soccer games. So I can't wait to hear, you know, what the people in central Arkansas have to say about our show. You know, we're branching out to little rock now, which is awesome because you and and Kevin living down in central Arkansas, it's really going to help us grow. And what Kevin's brought to the baseball part of it, I mean, it's really branched just out. And, again, I'm looking forward to seeing where this thing takes off.
4: And, yeah, I'm really excited. It's my one-year anniversary this week. And I remember the first one, I was on the road in Atlanta, Georgia, when I talked with Kyle last year during our first episode. And for for y'all that don't know me, the the coach part comes from I still coach in the summer. I coach some really high-end, talented baseball players. The better thing is uh, they're they're better young men. Uh, Caden Wallace, Jackson Wiggins, Casey Martin, Ethan Bates. uh, Those are some of the guys that have been through our Arkansas Prospects program. And we've got some more coming to the University of Arkansas. Uh, I was a high school football coach uh, for four years at Sylvan Hills High School. Uh, Coach quarterbacks, offensive coordinator, quarterback coach. So uh, I wanted to bring a lot of insights that I really didn't see on local media. And I got hooked up with Randy Rainwater with 103.7 The Buzz. And two years ago, we were just talking high school baseball because the coverage wasn't there. And I just set out on a mission to get these young men and these teams that have played their hearts out all season to get them some recognition and a year ago, we, we picked up, I picked up with you guys and we've never looked back. So, uh, yeah, I, I echo your sentiments and, you know, thank you, Justin Akery and, uh, of course, Double uh, for R for the chance to, you know, be a part of the Buzz Radio Network family. And let's uh, take this thing to the next level. We're here for the fans, like Kyle said, and we're only going to get bigger and better. And that's just because of
3: you.
2: Yeah, and I want to go ahead and reiterate what you were talking about, about the high school sports, because that's something that I do too. Now, we obviously mainly talk about Razorback stuff on the podcast and everything, but – On our social media pages, we do try to push some high school stuff. I'm actually a part of Rocktown Sports Media, which is owned by one of my best friends, Jay Sterling, that I've known my entire life and who has done a great job throughout his time with sports pictures and editing those and getting those for whether it be a senior shoot or a team shoot. And I kind of took it to the next level in terms of – I don't want to say I took it to the next level, but I guess I gave a different dimension of of rock town with the reporting i do articles each week for now i do write a little bit for basketball during that season but during football you know i'm able to attend games weekly and we do our games of the week and i'm able to push out some articles there and so it's just been the hog talk has really allowed me to from that regard personally to put out more content at least to get the basketball, the football, and and a little bit of the, especially with Cabo, you doing your baseball rankings each each week that we would put on the site. We put on Hog Talk Media and Rocktown. That's just really, like you said, for the fans, for the kids. That's what we're about here. You know, we want to try to make sure that we promote as much as we possibly can, because you know what? We're probably not going to get a kid a big time offer, but if a coach we we do have a, a very respectable following and we have some coaches who follow us and maybe one of these times if it if it helps one kid get an offer whatever it may be or at least get noticed you know that's what we're out here to do and and being in Texas for 3 years and I've I've said this so many times but I just always want to reiterate the amount of opportunity that we have in this state just for coverage which there's been plenty of people who have independently taken their time to to whether it be stream games or write articles whatever it is and so that's pretty much what we're about here in a nutshell again i know some of you listen to this so it's just a broken record you've been you all have been uh some of you have been listening for a long time and, and it's stuff that you've been hearing for a while so we appreciate you at least being patient with us through this segment but that's pretty much it, guys. And any time uh, for the new listeners, if you want to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, you know, our personal pages as well, you can find, I'm sure you can find all of us. Uh, on there um, pretty easily. I know Porter, it's just Porter Hayes, Kevin Bohannon, and Kyle Sutherland. You can just type in our names and it should be pretty easy to find on Twitter and uh, get at us anytime. And so before we get into the next segment here, I do want to bring up some recruiting news. Guys, we had a, I, I, I did an entire segment on last week's show talking about recruiting for basketball and football in particular for 2022, but had a big week last week. Had two football commits and then a basketball commit. The most recent one for basketball was buried dunning jr he became the second player in the 2022 class joining morilton's joseph pinion he's out of mcgill Tulin high school he is the current alabama gatorade player of the year 77th player overall in the 22 class per the 247 sports composite rankings <laughs> there was a lot of, i don't know if you guys saw that on twitter there was a lot of funny threads about some alabama pages uh, talking yeah. about how they didn't <laughs> want him and all this that you always got to love those let must those have boards. it boy yeah Oh, yeah. They,
3: you, just and, let them have the number one player in Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Just go on out. Hey, that's fine. Batman, we're not done yet. It, it's not football. This is basketball <laughs> we're talking about. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, and in football, we got two of them in Manny Powell and Jalen Lewis. So you got two guys on the defensive side of the ball. Jalen Lewis out of Haywood High School in Brownsville, Tennessee. That was a guy I know Sam Carter's been on for a while. At a very, he's He's... Only a three star, and I say only because it seems like we have a lot of people that tend to scoff at three stars. But you look at his offer list; that was really impressive. And then also Manny Powell out of Canton, Ohio. Don't get a whole lot. I know that. Um, yeah, ever since we've the already Bielma had a Michigan. Days. Yeah, yeah. Ever since the Bielema days, it's uh, it wasn't quite. Now I know Pittman was on that staff for a couple of years, and so maybe that has some to do with it. Now he he's got a nationwide recruiting base there, but. That was a big pickup, I think, with Manny Powell. uh, I actually did get a chance to look. I haven't looked at Jalen, but I did get a chance to look at Manny the other day on on Huddle, looked at some of his film, and I was pretty impressed with what I saw. As we know, you got to kind of take the highlight films with a grain of salt because it's always going to show. They're not called highlights for no reason, but nonetheless, love what the Hogs are doing continuously on the recruiting trail right now in football. They sit at 18th nationally and 7th and the sec so plenty of good stuff there and we will have plenty of recruiting updates as we go along there and uh guys unless y'all got anything else uh, we'll go ahead and get into jj matters and, and with brian's talk uh with kevin talking about some mlb prospects for the razorbacks if y'all ain't got anything else we'll go ahead and hit a break and then we'll move on to it not everybody all at once <laughs> No, that's good. Yeah, you
4: you teed that up really well. I was like, usually (laughs) when you say that, we just roll right on into it. Let's go. I was going to say, yeah, the the, the recording coordinator is actually from Michigan. Yeah. That's, that's why we're up there in the Midwest. So,
2: yeah, we're good. Yeah, well, Cool. Well, guys, again, thank you guys for listening. The new ones, hope you enjoy the rest of the show. And we will be up until football season. We're going to be going each Wednesday. And, again, on 106.7, it'll be airing at 7.30. You can catch us any other time. We do drop our shows on every podcast forum that you listen to um on Apple Spotify again like I'd said in the opening iHeartRadio I think the only thing we're not on is SoundCloud and so look forward to you guys uh joining up here as we move right along in into the upcoming episodes but for now we're going to hit a break and then we got JJ Matters up next stay with us With American National you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com, call us at 501-428-0877, or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. Tackle your to-do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Hyndman Services. Located in northwest Arkansas, Heinman Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336 That's 479-347-9336 We're back on episode 203 of the Hog Talk podcast. Kyle Sutherland and Porter Hayes here with you, and we now go to the Workman's Travel Center hotline where we are joined by former Razorback wide receiver J.J. Metters. J.J., look forward to chatting with you. Appreciate you hopping on today, man.
0: Man, no problem, man. Uh, appreciate you guys having me, and uh, uh, just really excited for this upcoming football season.
2: Definitely. And first off, I want to say I uh, hope you had a happy fourth. And I know that uh, you've been training athletes for quite some time now. And based on the things I've been seeing you posting this summer, it looks like things are pretty busy for you at the moment.
0: Yeah, man. It's, it's uh, honestly, man, things have been good. I've been back and forth between Dallas and uh, Little Rock uh, in central Arkansas pretty much uh, most of the summer. And, uh, you know, man, even after 20 years of training, you know, I'm being in the business, man. I'm probably as excited and uh, probably as energized as I ever been, man. You know, we've, you know, we got a great group of young wide receivers training with us right now, and then, of course, you know, I've got my guys who are in college and my my upperclassmen getting ready to go to college. So, man, it's it's a fun time of the year for me, but it's also it's it's pretty hectic as well.
2: And we had Richard Smith on a couple of weeks ago, and he—I wanted to bring him up because he, like yourself, was a very solid receiver for the Razorbacks, and you both ran track for John McDonald, which I want to get into a little bit later. And uh, both yep. from Louisiana, also Louis. I uh, Anthony almost said man, I was trying to tie Anthony Lucas and Louisiana together. Also, Anthony Lucas was a Louisiana kid. I know that, you know, there was a, a, quite a pipeline, especially, I guess, during the Danny Ford days into a little bit of the Houston nut days. What was it, or at least like, what, was there a certain person that had really an effect? I guess I've never asked either of them that question. If maybe it was a Danny Ford thing or someone on his staff might've had a pipeline down there. Really? What was that about?
0: Man, honestly, and uh, man, I wanted—I want to take credit for that because I, uh, you know, Arkansas, North Louisiana had kind of been a hotbed uh, for Arkansas. You know, you had Joe Ferguson, uh, my uncle Johnny Meaders, who was an All South uh, Southwest Conference performer uh, for the Arkansas. So, you know, Arkansas had a, you know always had been in North Louisiana, you know, recruiting, but, you know, I guess for a time, uh, they had kind of fell off and, you know, a lot of those, uh, you know, Louisiana was just a, such a hotbed for recruiting anyway. But, uh, when I came in, man, I was, the I was the only guy from Louisiana in 1992, when I came in. And then, uh, the next year they hired, uh, Fitz Hill. Coach, Nutt, uh, Coach Houston Nutt was my receivers coach the first year and then the second year, they hired Coach Hill and he'd been coaching down at Northwestern State of Louisiana. And, uh, you know, he was familiar with all the schools in that area. And, and you know, he's the one that kind of opened up that pipeline in the North Louisiana. And then we started getting, and then the next year, I think we signed Ken Anderson and then we signed Anthony Lucas and Mike Williams and Mike Snowden. And, and then it just, it just started to kind of roll on like a wheelbarrow. And, uh, but, you know, North Louisiana is just, you know, every, you know, every major school in the country is in North Louisiana recruiting it. But, you know, I, I would like to say that I'm the kind of one that opened up the door. But I would definitely say that Coach Hill is the one, Fitz Hill is the one who actually established that pipeline.
3: And, and J.J., going back to the early years of Arkansas and in the SEC, what was it like playing for Arkansas? And, and Arkansas really separating themselves from the Southwest Conference and joining this new conference. Man,
0: honestly, it was rough. <laughs> <laughs> man, those first three years, man, we got our buzz kicked a lot, you know. And it was, you know, I tell people, man, we we started off with the Southwest Conference team playing against SEC uh, competition, and, you know, we just weren't up to speed. We weren't where those guys were playing ball in the SEC, to be honest. And, uh, and it took us, you know, but then I also look at it that, by my senior year, we were also playing in the SEC championship game. So you know, those first two years, man, we got whooped a lot. And honestly, you know, we were games that we just weren't competitive. We didn't have the we didn't have the same type of product on the field as the Alabamas and the Tennessees, um, Auburns, you know, of that time. So man, it was a little rough, but. Also, you know, that group that we came in 1992 with Barry Lunny, who's our quarterback. And, you know, we had guys playing like Junior Soley and uh, Steve and Conley's and, you know, just, the, you know, some really high level guys. And we were able to kind of, you know, get us in a position to where, uh, you know, in a position to where we were, you know, competitive. And then eventually, like I said, making it to the SEC Championship game in 95.
2: And JJ, speaking of Barry Lunny, I wanted to talk about your defining moment as a Razorback against Alabama and Tuscaloosa. and It was 1995, wasn't it? The, yes, sir. You already know the game I'm talking about where he rolled out to his left and hit you for the winning touchdown as you, as you dove there. Now, I'm not going to totally put you on the spot and ask if it was a catch, but I am going to ask you, are you thankful there was no instant replay at that time?
0: Man, funny uh, funny story to that, man. Probably about five or six years ago, uh, one of the TV stations in Little Rock were, were doing uh, like a preseason deal, and they were talking about some of the big plays in Razorback Histories. And then I had one of my kids came in, and he was like nine or ten years old at the time, so he wasn't even born, you know, when I made that kitchen. He came in, and he said, Coach. He said, man, if they had but he said, if they had instant replay at that time, I don't know if you'll be that big of a deal in Arkansas right now. <laughs> so, man, but it was just, man, it was one of those plays, man. It was actually, that was actually a two-point play that we were planning to use in two-point situations, in-the-game situations. And uh, Coach actually dialed that up. And, man, it's it's a play we called. If you look at the newspaper articles, we said it was backyard football because it was basically the choice, and they just let me get open. And so, uh, ran. Uh, I ended up turning it into a whip. Rolled out, man. We got everything we wanted. We got the defense we wanted. We got the coverage we wanted. And and uh, and I think Lonnie just kind of relaxed a little bit and just kind of flipped it out there. And and the nose of the ball went into the ground. And I and at that time, man, I dove. I got my hands under, it and it was definitely a catch. Uh, but you know, that was you know, like I said, before. Uh, Instant replay, no social media, so man, I didn't really get a chance to actually see the play until maybe seven or eight o'clock later on that night on Sports Center, and uh, and <laughs> and it was funny because we were going crazy, but then when I saw it, I could understand uh, why people kept asking me, "Did I catch it?" You know, and you know, of course, reporters came in after the game and they were asking. I was just like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I caught it," you know. But then when I finally, <laughs> but then when I finally saw the catch on instant replay, I was kind of like. Whoa, did you get your hands out of that, buddy? But, man, I was able to. and and uh, But also, man, just that was a hard fought game, uh, a hard fought SEC game. Our defense only gave up 88, 89 yards total offense in the second half. And, you know, I was just fortunate that I was, you know, able to make that very last play. But, you know, that, you know, I'm, I'm proud for myself, I'm proud for my teammates. But, you know, you don't win big games like that in Tuscaloosa without it being a total team effort.
3: And I kind of want to tie in last question with this one. You're talking about the early years, getting whooped up on and on. So how much does that mean to you and the significance of a catch like that against Alabama show the progress you made from your first year until your last?
0: I cried in the locker room like a baby after that. You know, we – we, you know, we – man, I remember that, that – and it was crazy because that first game of the season, uh, we started Robert Reed at quarterback. We ended up had a fumble on um, first and goal, second and goal against uh, SMU at the end of that game, going in to win. We fumbled on a one or two yard line and uh, and, you know, we were kind of like, damn, you know, is this, you know, we had three years of this. And uh, but I would say to our credit, man, we had a great group of seniors that year. I think we had 17 or 18 seniors on that team, man. We pulled it together and then we went out and beat. Um, I think we played South Carolina we ended up playing South Carolina Alabama so we lose the SMU and then come back to the next we can be South Carolina and Alabama and uh, so I think that was just a testament to all those you know you know, all those guys who had been there struggling but you know also guys who were all Americans in high school all staters you know a lot of guys we had won state champions and you know we didn't want our legacy to be a legacy of a team that came in and then get to a bowl game and, and then win. And, and so, you know, that, you know, we took a lot of pride in that and beating Alabama and then, you know, eventually getting on to that SEC championship game. We're
2: talking with former Razorback wide receiver, JJ Meadows and JJ, I want to switch over to the, uh, some news that came out this past week as the NIL law went into effect. And we, it happened a lot sooner than we thought we, and there a lot of cases that seem like that there was going to be certain states starting July 1st, but now it's all across the board. And uh, so we're going to have to wait maybe another year or two or longer. But I think that really in this regard, most people are on board with it. I've seen you be outspoken about it. Uh, many other former athletes, current athletes And I think that there's a lot of people, or not really a lot, maybe some still that think that this could be possibly professionalism of college sports, professionalizing it in terms of salary caps and contract negotiations. This is nothing more than what it is, the name, image, and likeness of a kid being able to benefit – financially off of their name imaging likeness and again i think that's something that we can pretty much agree on that that's definitely something they are entitled to but as someone like yourself who knows the grind understands how it is with college athletics and the way that the ncaa is and how much financially it can be a struggle how big of a step in this is the right direction of, of where we became this past week
0: man first of all uh I think it's uh, I think it's a, a big step. Uh, I think it's long overdue, and you know. But also, we got to you know, big time college football is pro football. Period. You know, and we can you know we can pretend that it's amateur football, but coaches don't get paid for graduation rates. You know, they get paid to win and lose ball games. And uh, when they start when they when they start incentivizing coaches to get kids graduated and graduation rates, then you know then the landscape will change a little bit. But uh, so I will say that you know it's it's unfair. Just I don't want to even say the NCAA, but just think of in America when you don't own your own name and license. Like I can go if I go to my if I go to my mom's house right now, she still has cups in her in her cabinet from when I played at Arkansas when my actual my picture. You know, not like a, a logo. I mean, like my actual picture is on the cups that they sold at games for five and six dollars. Uh, A Coke. But, you know, I didn't get any of that money. And what a lot of people don't understand is just up until recently, uh, the NCAA closed up the gap, what they call the cost of attendance gap, which basically said, you know, versus it was the difference between what your scholarship pays versus what it actually costs to go to school. And man, when I was in school in Fairville, you know, I'm not going to lie and say that we didn't have people who helped us out, but man, it was a struggle. You know, you couldn't have a job, you you know, you couldn't work. And even in the summertime, when you did have a job, you were in summer school and you were still doing summer workouts and, you know, football, you know, it's a full-time job. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see that, um, I, I do want to make sure, and I hope that each athletic program, uh, but I hope they do have someone around the program that can kind of help the kids financially, help them with the contracts, help them manage the money because I, I could, you know, 17, 18, 19 year nineteen-year-olds, I can see where that could possibly be a problem, but you know, you know, those are, you know, those are small things. Those are things that, that we can work through. And, you know, we're not talking about all 85 guys. You know, there's only going to be, I mean, it's just like the NFL, you know, there are going to be certain guys every year who are going to get promoted um, and going to have an opportunity to capitalize on that. And and, and I think they should be able to, uh, but also too, I don't, you know, I don't want guys missing practices to do commercials either. You know what I'm saying? So, so, uh, you know, I think it'll be, I think it'll be some growing pains, but, you know, I think it's, I think it's just in the best interest of the athletes to be able to, you know, you know, make money on it. And what a lot of people don't understand is that, you know, by the time most of these guys get to college, they've been playing football since they were six years old. So they've already put 12 years of work and, you know, working and sacrificing and, and perfecting their crafts. And, you know, it's not like all of a sudden they get to college and they're a good players. So, you know, most of these guys have 12 years of work that they put in to get to this level. And, you know, if they can make a few extra dollars while playing football and getting an education, then I'm all for that.
3: And another point I made to the guys was, you know, a lot of these people that don't get scholarships. You look at baseball, 11.7 and these walk-ons that they don't have scholarships. I mean, what does it mean to these people that that could honestly give them some financial support for their families providing for
0: them for college? Man, even track guys, you know, I think people know me. Uh, I think people know me from, you know, football and training football athletes. But man, I've I've trained, I've had D one athletes actually in six different sports, and it becomes a grind when you have track and field athletes. You know, I've had guys who were national champions that were not on a full ride in track. You know, so it's crazy. So it uh, so you know, for the baseball, for track. Uh, women's athletics we were pretty much, you know, non-revenue producing, except for maybe UConn, women's basketball in Baylor, women's basketball in Tennessee. Uh, I think I think it's great for them. Uh, but then also, too, you know, it's also great for the guys who are paying for school and taking out loans, too. So if you can bridge some of that gap to where you don't get out of school and get your education as code Eighty thousand dollars or ninety thousand dollars, and you're only making forty or fifty thousand dollars a year. Uh, uh, then it's big too, but then also uh, it helps kids start to get prepared for after college. You know, football is not going to last, basketball, football, track. It's not going to last forever. So, you know, it help people put a little money in their pocket, but also help them get into different, you know, other careers. You know, after their playing careers have ended. <laughs>
2: JJ, one of the last questions I got for you here is I, I, we talked about John McDonnell earlier when I uh, mentioned that you had also run track along with played football and we lost him right. uh, about around a month ago and uh, just a giant among, I'll repeat from what I said from Richard Smith's episode, just not only a giant with Arkansas track and field, but college athletics overall, just absolutely one of the most, if actually pretty much uh, the stats showed that he was the most dominant coach in the history of college athletics. But what did he mean to to you personally and your career athletically or just, uh, I mean, even
0: off the track and off the field? Well, just first, man, he's just not even – College man, he's just world, he's known around the world for track and field. Man, he you know, John McDonald, even in '92, he had a worldwide network of athletes where we had athletes from all over the world training at the University of Arkansas. So, man, he's just not respected in the United States, man. He's he's respected worldwide for track and field, and man, for me. Uh, you know when you're when you're you know I come off state championships in high school track and field I was three-time individual state champion you know accustomed to winning and for me man he first of all just being able to be around the track program for three years when it was three lean years of football and being able to win and be be a part of a national championship man it really kept me motivated um, I think just as a coach man I think i I've learned how to, you know, John McDonald. He 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 coached everything up to a national championship level. You know, he had national championship expectations, but you know his preparation for for track meets and his preparation for workouts. You know, he was out, he did everything. and He modeled everything uh, at a at a championship level. So, man, for me. You know, it was just it's really just been a blessing just to be around this guy, you know, for two or three years and watch him coach. And and uh, but one of the best things I would say he did is that he he did not treat everybody the same. He treated everybody fairly and he knew how to push everybody's buttons individually. And when I ran track, when I ran track in high school, I was, you know, I was the top five in the nation in three different events coming out. But when you're playing football full time and trying to compete in the SEC, uh, that's very hard to do. But he also made me feel important in understanding that, hey, kid, you know, we're going to need you to run. You know, may run a leg on a four by four by four, or you run the first leg on a four by one at conference or some of the big meets. And but he made me feel like I was Joe Falcon or Mike Conley or you know Eric Walden, one of those guys. And you know, but and even to this day, man. I, I've known the guy 30 years, been around in 30 years, man. I've never heard a coach or athlete or anyone in Fayetteville, anyone at the University of Arkansas say a bad thing about John McDonnell. And, you know, he's, when we talk about college coaches, John Wooden, you know, and you, you got to mention his name right there along, John Wooden. And that's that's some very lofty, uh, you know, that's that's some very rare error up there. But, you know, there'll never be another John. Uh, another John McDonald. Arkansas track and field will be successful, you know, probably from here to eternity. There will still be another, never another guy that wins forty national championships and triple crowns back to back to back to back to back. So, you know, he's just a special and a man. I, I, I'm very fortunate to to have been around the guy and trained and and uh, trained with him and competed for him and and uh, he'll be sorely sorely missed.
2: And finally, before we get out of here, I wanted to uh, talk about, I know you got a skills camp coming up, and like you said, you've trained for years and years, uh, multiple different athletes in multiple different sports. So talk about that skills camp that you have coming up on uh, July 17th and just kind of some other things that you do.
0: Yeah, man, July seventeenth, one of the things that you know we always talk about is we don't, you know, we don't care about, you know, if you're a power five or if you're D one or you're a d two, if you're a four star, three star man, we everything is just centered around player development. You know, we're just we're trying to get kids from the fifth grade to the sixth grade and not from the sixth grade to the NFL. So everything we do and everything we've done over the past twenty years has just been developing young athletes and trying to develop young people and, and basically the skill count falls in line with that. we got some really great instructors coming in. The Little Rock will be at War Memorial July 17th, 6th uh, six, six, uh, grade up through 12th, and man, we have some very, very heavy hitters coming in as far as instructors. Now we've got Tom George with QB Impact. Man, He works a lot with the NFL and with NFL guys. we got Clay Mack, who's had at least 13 or 14 D1, I mean 14 to 13 first rounders, uh defensive backs, uh Jamal Adams, uh Greedy Williams, uh just to name a few. And then we got big coach Big Tuck. He's also coming in from Dallas. He trains D-line, O-line, and and man, the biggest thing is we wanna give those young people in central Arkansas and all over Arkansas great experience. Uh, a great experience, but also, man, we want to get them some high level culture and get them ready for for the for the season and just continue to help develop uh, Arkansas football overall. Uh, I remember when I came to Arkansas twenty years ago, I was like, man, it's not. There's not a lot of talent here. And I was wrong. There's a lot of talent, man. It's just kids. They don't get the exposure or they don't get developed. And, you know, and since that, man, we've had, you know, I've had kids like K.J. Hill, who I had since he was like in the seventh grade with Ohio State, was a leading receiver in the history of the school. Uh, DeMaria Crockett went to Little Rock Christian, uh, went to Missouri, rushed for 1,300 yards as a true freshman there. And uh, so, but we want, you know, we want more KJ Hills and more Demarie Crockett's, and you know, and that's what we're trying to do. So, we're really focusing on grassroots football around the state.
2: Yeah, All definitely right. check that out if you got a. Uh, I guess, I guess you could, you pretty much do kids from elementary to junior high to high school pretty much. Uh, from... Man, we,
0: uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. From the pro, and, and, it, and people ask me, but it takes it takes a lot of patience. But, you know, I think if people will tell you that, man, I, like these last three or four years, man, I spent most of my time helping develop young trainers and also helping develop young kids, man. And I love working with the pro athletes, I love working with the D1s and the Power Fives, it's great. But, man, it's like it's nothing like being out there in a good session with some young, you know, fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth graders, guys still learn and still perfecting the craft. And and, uh, and honestly, that's, you know, that's my favorite, my favorite part of the process. Yeah.
2: So if you've got a high school or junior high any any kid that's uh, interested in athletics, definitely check J.J. out. It's got a lot of good stuff there. Well, J.J., really appreciate the talk, man. Definitely catch up with you here down the road.
0: Man, thank you. And also, man, I'm excited for you guys, man. I see you guys got picked up by uh, the second bus station. And uh I saw that the other day, man. And uh you guys keep doing what you're doing, uh shining the light on Arkansas Sports and these young people and man, and uh I'm really proud of you guys and excited for everything you have going as well.
2: Yeah, appreciate that a lot, man. We've We're very excited uh, for that next step. So, well, we're up against a break, and we'll be back after this with Kevin, Brian Sakowski, and Vinny Servino of Perfect Game. They'll cover a little bit of MLB Draft. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of Believe Podcast and the Buzz Radio Network. With American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let The Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com, call us at 501-428-0877, or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. Tackle your to-do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Hyndman Services. Located in northwest Arkansas, Heinemann Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry, and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Welcome
4: back to episode 203 of the Hog Talk podcast. I'm Kevin Bohannon, and this week we continue our MLB draft coverage. We are joined by Perfect Games National Scouting Supervisor, Brian Sikowski. Brian, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you having me on, man. Thank you. Hey, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's about that time where uh, everyday teenagers and, and young men become millionaires here in about mm-hmm. a week or so, and it's always – a fun time. And I know this week kind of feels like uh, a whole week long of Christmas Eve for you. You're in the Atlanta area covering the 17 U And for those uh, regular baseball fans out there, this is a 418 tournament of all the class of 2022 players around the nation converging on the Atlanta Metro area for the world wood bat association champion national championship. So, Brian, I really want to talk about Perfect Game and how it has evolved over the past 10 years, so to speak. Um, A lot of people think of it as just tournaments, uh, but it's a lot more than that. So talk about your role, how it has evolved, and kind of what the landscape is of where you're at now.
1: Yeah, uh, as if the Atlanta metro area needed an influx of (laughs) more traffic. Right, Um, 30,000 people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, anyways yeah I, my job with perfect game is uh either simple or extremely complex depending on your your point of view um i'm one of the members of the scouting department which was three people when i was hired full-time and is now like 15 so that's been nice um perfect game runs tournaments and showcases all over the country Uh, We do them as young as I think six and seven you like we run youth tournaments that low as as well as up to uh, what you're seeing now in 18 U and 17 you tournaments and showcases. Uh, My job is to more or less go to these events and cover them from a scouting perspective and then do daily recaps and write a lot and write all the showcase reports, this, that, and the other thing. Um, That's what pays the bills. Uh, My i guess other part of my job the reason we're talking is the the draft coverage something i'm very passionate about um organizing the draft boards and doing the mock drafts and having every single bit of information on every single player possible uh that's something that i am just kind of obsessed with and enjoy it and i do that your cover uh similar fervor um, To, to make a long story short, we're perfect game exists for the sake of trying to get players exposure to the next level, whether that's a division three juco or the first round of the major league baseball draft and anywhere in between um, that is the goal. That is what we're all passionate about. And I think we do a pretty good job.
4: And a lot of people out there they and I know you see it on social media that you have to pay to be in these events. And I, I I'm a big proponent of perfect game. And if you're out there, these scouts will find you. It doesn't matter if you're in rural Arkansas in the mountains, if you're a good enough player to be on a radar of a scout with perfect game or any other organization, these guys are going to find you. And that's why, you know, your scouting department's grown from three to 15. You're not just having tournaments in the Atlanta metro area, but it's all over the nation. And then you have uh, perfect game, mid-south perfect game, Midwest to where mm-hmm. you have little branches of these to where, you know, local teams can experience that perfect game feel. Uh, So talk about those teams being able to see that big PG when they roll up to a ballpark and
1: and what that means to them. Yeah, uh, PG was was passionate about expanding the brand uh, bringing the brand to more people uh, across the country that's why you're seeing a lot of these regional things popping up like you mentioned uh, establishing offices in different places across the country holding tournaments in centralized areas across the country outside of just georgia and florida which is kind of what it was for a long time um so yeah trying to make inroads into california and out west and we have a gorgeous facility in Tennessee now, and, and obviously Hoover, Alabama is a stronghold. And uh, kind of take your pick there. We're, we're trying to go everywhere. Uh, we're trying to to bring perfect game quality tournaments and showcases and overall events to as many people as we can. And, and so rather than making everybody come to Atlanta, we figured we'd go to them. Well,
4: Brian, let, let's jump into the draft. Um, I really want to break it down into three categories. Uh, players with Arkansas ties. Uh, that could be selected. Then the current Arkansas Razorbacks, who are coming off a a great year, uh, didn't end like people wanted to, but they ended up with a top-10 ranking. And then some of the signees for the 2021 class that have the potential to get drafted, sign a pro contract, and and won't make it to campus. So uh, two big names uh, with Arkansas ties are Jaden Hill uh, from LSU and Jordan Wicks. Uh, Talk a little bit about both of those. Uh, Jaden, of course, just had an arm arm injury. Uh, What are his prospects for this upcoming draft?
1: Yeah, I I think entering the season, Hill, you could have said, was a top five overall pick. Like, I Mm -hmm. certainly thought so. Um, I saw him at the Shriners Classic right before, you know, COVID ended the world last year, and it was unbelievable stuff. You know, like we had him at number two or number three on the draft board coming into the spring. I was not shy uh, about how how much I liked Jaden Hill. Um, The injury obviously dings it Uh, I think more importantly maybe is that the stuff wasn't that good this spring before the injury it wasn't as good as it was a year ago so there was some concern there Um, it was his first time starting it was his first time you know throwing 100 pitches every seven days or every six days or whatever so there was there was an element of maybe he's just getting used to that Um, but it does cloud the projection so so I think he's still a guy who like Top 50 picks, top 40 picks. Someone overpays him in the comp round, something like that. I, I think he's still in play there. Um, and Wicks will go. I, I'd be surprised if he's on the board at pick 20. I, yeah. I, I, he'll be, you know, the, the steady Eddie lefty. Um, not a super wild profile, but plus changeup. Throws everything for strikes. 92-94, so it's not a light fastball. Uh, solid breaking ball. Just, you know, he's the, the safe college lefty that I think will go pretty quick.
4: Yeah, we had him on the on the show last week, and he was just talking about his development. Uh, you know, he was, of course, Big 12 freshman of the year, and then he really took that next step up in the Northwoods League and developed that changeup, which is uh, by many scouts, including your organization, probably the best changeup in the draft. Mm-hmm. And he will be most likely the first left-handed college pitcher to go off the board. Uh, we're really excited for him. And, of course, Jaden. Uh, but let's jump into the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, the reason that we have this podcast is to cover everything Arkansas Razorbacks. So um, who, who in your mind is the first current Razorback off the board?
1: Well, probably Christian Franklin, right? I, right? I mean, you know, it, it, there's some concerns there. Um, he swings and misses a lot, uh, you know, as Arkansas fans saw, like that's something that's of concern. Um, and like, you know, I think he can play center. There's some who don't. So, you know, if you don't think he can play center and he swings and misses a lot, all of a sudden that's a that's a lessened profile, you know, than what, than what you'd see if you see a center fielder who mashes. Um, I'm somewhere in between. I think he's got a chance to play center. The swing and miss is concerning, but the fact that he got to so much more power this year is a positive sign. Um, you know, do you trade the strikeouts for the home runs? It Kind of one of those conversations. I, I I don't know if he's a first-rounder anymore, but, like, I, I would imagine that he probably still is, and if not, somewhere in the top 40 picks, something like that. Yeah,
4: he, he, it looks like he kind of slid up and down all year, and I think his swing has, has changed a little bit from his freshman year. I still think he gets a little steep at times mm-hmm. to where, you know, he, he's trying to create that launch angle, by himself without all the other components being there. And I know that the launch angle is a big term. Um, I, I use I use the phrase maintaining barrel integrity, which yeah. is you keep, keep keeping your bat in the zone longer and, and through the ball, you know. So uh, that, that's how we break it down for our kids because at, at 10, 11, 12 years old, they don't need to learn launch angle. They need to learn nope. hitting the ball hard. Agreed. So, uh, the the big question on everybody's mind – Kevin Copps. He was player of the year (laughs) and he had one of those special seasons that will be remembered for all time, just because of what he did time and time again, he was so consistent and he did it uh, an unorthodox way would be the way to put it. He did it with a specialty pitch, a lot like Mariano Rivera did it, but in a different way. Where do you see his draft prospects? Uh, Where do you think he'll go and how quick do you think, teams will learn if he's a good fit for the the big ball club
1: i mean I, this is a weird one because it's like this dude has no leverage right he's like a fifth or sixth year guy six yeah um, yeah sixth year guy like i don't he might technically have another year if he want i don't know exactly either way yeah. 24 years old already he's already like on par age wise with like the guys in double a um but it's an unbelievable one pitch, you know? (laughs) So I don't think he's going to go super high in the draft. I don't think he'll be signed to a significant bonus because of the fact he's a six year guy. Um, But I think there will be a race with major league teams to be like, okay, how high do we want to take this dude? Because like, we know he's a big leaguer, you know? So is that the fifth or sixth or seventh round or something like that? Someone takes him, cuts a deal with him, And then, I don't see any reason why like he's not in double a next week. And if he's there for two weeks and shoves, he goes to triple a. And if you know what I mean? Like, I don't see why this dude couldn't be in the major leagues this, this fall. Um, No reason to do that. If the team that takes him isn't competing or anything like that. But I I mean, yeah, I think that dude could miss bats in a major league bullpen.
4: (laughs) No doubt, especially if you got him out there for, you know, anywhere one to two innings, you know, if you yep. need, ten, if you need eight outs, he's that guy that can really do that without getting through a major league lineup twice. So uh I'm in line with you. I think he'll be anywhere from that five to 10 range uh, low signing bonus, but he's got a lot to fall back on because he, he, he's, he's marketable at this point with that pitch and that's going to catch the attention of a lot of companies out there. Um, Let's go, Casey Opitz, the the man that drove the the steam engine for the Razorbacks. How do you how do you see him uh, working out in this draft?
1: Man, I've been a Casey Opitz fan since he was a Colorado high school kid uh, mm-hmm. when he was like 150 pounds, and yep. I, I didn't know if I didn't know if he was going to be big enough to catch. Um, anyways, <laughs> I, I don't. Opitz is like you know you have to kind of peel away the hog colored glasses here. Uh, yep. a little bit because I, I love him too it, you know it's it's easy to love the dude um, the enthusiastic fist pumping you know like let's go type of guy behind the plate you love that but then you gotta you have to break down the tools you have to break down the profile. he hit 257 without any power in college. Yeah. you know what I mean yeah. um, So I, I think he's a good defender I think he's going to be one of those leadership guys. I think he's going to be one of those dudes who's gonna have the opportunity to play baseball for a long time. Uh, as an organizational type of catcher. Um, but generally speaking, like to project that out to the big leagues, like you need more bat than that. Uh, but either way, I, I think he's going to be an asset to an organization, uh, probably a, ta- a priority target on day two as a money saver because he's a fourth year guy. Um, yeah. I, I mean, like, I like him. I, I don't want to be like, disparaging him here or anything. It's just, you know, no, that's he, what he's, he's not, got. he's not a first rounder, you know?
4: <laughs> yeah. We, we tend not to wear rose colored glasses on here and shoot it straight. So yeah, you, you're not offending uh, me or any hog fan out there. We we want the, the, the truth. We want the truth of where these guys could go because, we I see them as ball players and first and then Razorbacks just because I've grown up with this game and been involved with this so I, I understand where you're coming from on that uh, staying up the middle let's let's talk about a few guys Jalen Battles one Matt Goodhart and then Brady Slabins. yeah a couple of
1: three uh, JUCO guys there huh yep uh, yep yeah <laughs> I think uh, Battles probably goes the highest of those three um I you know maybe I'm wrong to think this, but I was surprised when he played short and Bobby Moore didn't, uh, obviously hey. the way it worked out was it looked great. You know, like yeah. battles was good there. Bobby Moore's an unbelievable second baseman. It worked great. Coach Van Horn knows more than me, but it was just like when the starting lineup to start the season was Cruz at short, I was surprised. That's all, um, or battles at short, pardon me. It, yeah. It's a, um, yeah, I, he's good, man. It's similar worries with Franklin about the uh, the swing and miss. There, he can play short. Um, there's a little bit of juice there. I kind of figured there would be a little bit more, given how much better his body looked from Juka, yep. like how much more physical he looked. Um, but either way, this is a shortstop with some juice who you know isn't a isn't a bad hitter or anything like that. So I I don't know. I feel like that's a dude who, generally speaking, is a fifth or sixth rounder. And if that's not good enough for him, then Run it back, you know exactly. With him and Bobby yeah, Moore. yeah. <laughs> oh, you're speaking to my heart right there. That'd be <laughs> awesome to have those two kids back,
4: man. Yeah, and uh, okay, Matt Goodhart. I honestly yeah. think Matt comes back next year to play for the Razorbacks.
1: Yeah, I just I don't know if if MLB teams are going to be like knocking down the door to for like the the five ten guy who's a DH. You know, yeah. um, he's limited positionally. We all know that uh he can hit he's got power I, I think he had what thirteen or fourteen bombs this year um takes his walks like every indication he's is he's a good teammate and everybody loves him. It's just like that type of profile it's like you're you're more gonna maximize your value trying to win a national championship next year than like take what you'd get this year, generally speaking yeah. agreed uh, and I think you could say the same for slavens, although he's younger and had better numbers i this one is more of a I don't know. Um, because he performed better, and, and like I, he didn't walk a ton, he struck out too much. There's power there. I, you tell me, can he play third base? I, I think he can, and because he came
4: in as a shortstop to Wichita State, and that, that okay. was the uh, to take a quote from Moneyball. Uh, first base was, was was the son to him, or whatever it was yeah. talking <laughs> about. Hattieberg, Scott Hattieberg, but yeah, that he just didn't fit at short, so. Uh, bulked up a little bit. I think he plays one of the corners. He actually, he actually did pretty well at first base. It looked kind of rocky starting out, and then the footwork got better. What people don't understand is you have to be pretty athletic to play a good first base now. It's you not do? just the it's not just the <laughs> biggest guy who rates over there anymore. So I think it's one of the things that they can put him over there. He also uh, flashed a little bit as a corner outfielder. So I think it makes him more marketable. But the fact that mm-hmm. he is only 20 years old. Um, Gives him a little bit of leverage to come back.
1: Yeah, definitely. And he he was one of the. If correct me if I'm wrong, I think he like graduated a semester early to go to he Wichita. Did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then yeah, was at Johnson County, had unbelievable numbers. Yeah, I remember that. Um, but anyways, yeah, yeah, man. I first base left field. Maybe he convinces a team he can handle third in a pinch too. I know he did that in JUCO. Um, yeah, I, this is another one of those like kind of like battles for me, like. You know, I, I, I could see somebody saying three or 400 grand, uh, but is three or 400 grand enough to maybe not try and hit 200 home runs next year as a team? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, but which I think they could do. Um,
4: <laughs> yeah. So that, that's pretty much the rundown. And we've talked about, you know, the current roster and, and who's gone. Of course, the, the transfers are one thing, but the guys that could sign the pro contracts or is, is that handful of guys we just talked about. Now, the, of course, the COVID rosters and everything is the biggest issue with every school in America, no matter what. But for elite teams, uh, it's a little bit more difficult because you have the, the draft to worry about. Now, uh, Arkansas, according to your, your service, perfect game. Uh, they're number three right now, and they seem to have had that hold all year long. Earlier back in the fall, when somebody asked me, how does this compare to the 2020 class? I said, they're not anywhere close to that level. Well, after a year, I, I can say that I-, I was wrong a little bit. I think this te- this class is really talented. Uh, I still don't think they're on that 2020 level as far as the impact players and the star level with that, with the Wallace Moore, uh, of course, Win and, and hence sign mm-hmm. their pro contracts, but... Uh, Wiggins, uh, we can go on and on, but let's talk about the draft class and, and the top three names that I keep telling Razorback fans that will not be on campus, Peyton Stovall, Max Muncy, Braylon Bishop. Do you think those guys are gone?
1: Um, I think is definitely gone. Um, Muncy, I've heard, like, has a decently high number, but at the same time I've heard he might go in the back of the first, so, like, that might not be a problem you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I would say lean to gone there. Um, Bishop, I haven't heard a ton on this spring. Um, I saw him in January. I want to say uh, if that technically counts as a 2021 look, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't know with him. I, I don't know the signability. I like, I don't think he's, he's going to command $2 million or anything, but um, if he's a lower signing number guy, you know, you could take a chance on the athleticism and the bat speed. Uh, the one I'm most interested in is, is Drew Gray, man. Like, I, yeah. You know, I, yeah, that one, he hasn't, he wasn't great this spring. Right. But like, this is the dude with all the athleticism and looseness and arm speed and spin traits you could ever want. And Matt Hobbs would turn this dude into a monster. Exactly. Uh, so if, if you get Drew Gray to campus, just like sit back and wait, cause Hobbs right. is going to do some magic with that dude. Um, and there's a there's a couple other ones on here and like I, Varnado gets talked about decently high up. I, I don't know again with the signability there. Uh, Saliz had a really good spring. He hits for a ton of power, but he's viewed more as a first baseman than a catcher, which kind of limits the stock. Right. Uh, Hagen Smith threw 19 no hitters or something, but <laughs> it was I, ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I still don't know if, I still don't know if the stuff was loud enough for him to go high. Yeah. Uh, I think part of that was his level of competition, but, you know, you, hard to ignore that he, like, it, there was some ridiculous stat. It was like he, um, he only walked like 12 this year and that was still more than the total hits and runs. he. Gave yeah, whole hits were, of, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so there's a lot of guys on here. I, I think I've heard good things about Trapani this spring, but that doesn't feel like he's going to sign or anything like that. Um, I think the guys that you mentioned uh, are fair. I just think you also have to include gray and Varnado as far as, like, uh, we're not sure if we're getting them or not.
4: Yeah, I agree. Well, And, and another name that has popped up and, and jumped up the boards and personally have coach, having coached him last year and, and close to the camp is Jordan Byers.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Good big player.
4: Left-handed, big left-handed bat, you know, power for days. Uh, the hit tool has to get a little bit better, I think. Uh, plus, he, he's a young he, – he could be a 2022 grad. Mm-hmm. So – I think he wants to sign and not go to college, honestly. Um, I think he'll sign for anything, but it it remains to be seen. But uh, any thoughts on Jordan and any light you can
1: shed on that? Yeah, young for the class, big dude with power from the left side of the plate. You know, I I mean, this is the – this is that, like, projection guy, the the lottery ticket type, you know? Like, if the hit tool doesn't come along, what is he? But if it does, oh, you know, oh, hello what do we got here? Right. Um, and the, the age helps him and hurts him. You know, it, mm-hmm. it helps him in the sense that like that drives him up the board for model teams. Um, but it hurts him in the sense of like, are you physically ready to be a professional baseball player? You're only 17. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You have more of an insight onto the signability and stuff like that, than I do there. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I, I just, that's the type that like, if he makes it to Arkansas, that's the type of profile that you don't hear from the first year, anyways. You know what I mean? Like right. that dude's not gonna, probably not gonna hit in the middle of the Razorback order as a freshman in the SEC, who's young uh, with hit tool concerns. So, but then you 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 know you stash him and you let Nate Thompson work with him, and, and then all of a sudden this dude's hitting 15 pumps uh, as a sophomore and going to the Cape, et cetera, et cetera. Like we've seen that profile happen before. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think that that's a, a lotto ticket, but it, it's one that I'd like to have. <laughs> exactly, and and I,
4: I think his stock rises, and I look at Caden Wallace. Of course, Caden was a lot more polished, but mm-hmm. he, he could have gone last year. He, he could have oh, signed yeah. for, for a meal, and we all know yep. that. But yep. he wanted to invest in himself and take that chance of, okay, say I, I could do this right now or in two years th- since the draft got moved back, he's going to be a, a next-year guy. I'm making three to possibly four times that and, and, and improved my stock and shown that it's not just the hit tool, the power. It's uh, I'm pretty good defensively as well. No doubt. No doubt.
1: man. Yep. Yep.
4: Well, man, Brian, I thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule. I know it's a busy week with um, 2000 and something games going on over the next (laughs) six, seven days. I'll be down there in Atlanta myself. So hopefully we can run into each other and meet up, but uh, yeah, man, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, bud. I'm looking forward to to seeing you this week. Yep. And for Brian Sikowski, this is Kevin Bohannon. Thank you for uh, listening to us as always. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review. uh, leave, Leave us a review. Make sure we can get the best content out there to you guys. Go Hogs.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe.